All right, that's enough talk about winners that are still in the playoffs. There is one loser we love more than any of the others, and it's our birds. And the news from this week is that Sirianni seems to be sticking around, Sam. Coach Nick is back, and that is after, of course, being stripped of many of his coaching responsibilities. He is uh, not going to call the plays. He's not going to run the offense. He is also mentioned that on the defensive side, he's going to be in some meetings, although with them bringing Vic Fangio in, I just don't really think that's going to happen at all. That felt more like a lip service than anything else. And so it seems to me that they are going the route of the CEO coach, which is, uh, you know, the guy who doesn't call plays, the guy who's not in charge of the defense, but he oversees things. Successful models of this, Jim uh, John Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin. Both fit those both those molds. Dan Campbell, another guy who fit those molds. So this is why Lori brought him back. And you either fire a guy a year late or you fire him a year early. And Lori right now is betting on, hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe this would have been too early. And so I'm going to keep Nick around. And I believe him as a culture guy. I heard uh, one theory from uh from Gilio at WIP that this was the deal they offered Doug Peterson that Doug Peterson said no to was the you know what, we're, we'll we'll take a lot of things from here, but you got to go ahead and, you know, get get hit, hit with a bat by the media for a while. And Dougie P said, no, I'm not into that. Nick Sirianni has proven, look, to his credit, has proven that he's he's got humility. He's humble enough to give away play calling duties his first year. That worked well. Now he's humble enough to give up, you know, control the offense. So I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm taking a deep breath. I'm going to ask you, Sam, like what? What is Nick doing here? Like, what are Nick's strengths? What is he bringing to the table here? Do you even have an answer to that question, or are you just still mad that he's here? I have a little bit of an answer. I'm still mad. I mean, listen, man. I'll be. I'll be honest. You know me. I'm. I. I don't think they should have ever even gotten rid of Doug Peterson. I think. I don't. I don't think Nick develops players well. If he's not going to call any plays on offense or on defense, he's just going to like poke his head in to like meetings and make sure like everything's going okay. Um, <laughs> like what? Like what the fuck? Like even is that? Are you just going to be like the punching bag for when things go bad? Um, I think Nick's biggest strength is that players do seem to like him. Like yeah. genuinely seem to like enjoy the guy's presence, enjoy his energy, and. I can't even like deny that he's a passionate Italian. Like you're, you're fucking best friends with one. Like, Hey, how you doing? That's like, that's what we do. Right. But I just think it, it was almost more of like an emotional decision than like a business decision. And I still feel as if with all of the options that were out there, it is a mistake bringing him back. I would rather fire a guy to a year early than a year late because if this offense, for you know, for whatever reason, still has some Nick Sirianni scheme dazzled into it, it's it's not. I don't expect like huge changes to happen. I mean, it was a complete downward fucking spiral. It, no one stopped it. It was like a. It was like a. It was just a landslide of terrible football. And that your ideally your head coach can at least put some resistance onto it. And he just didn't. So, of course, in these playoffs, three straight years, three straight playoffs, right? A Super Bowl appearance. I think that was the biggest reason why Laurie did bring him back. Like, the dude yeah. has proven he can win and he can lead men. But I think when it comes to the tacticalness of football, he just doesn't have the, these advanced brains that some of these other guys have. 
I think if it was really his scheme last year, his scheme fucking sucked. It wasn't yeah. good. It was it was not getting the best out of your players. And I don't know how much of last year that was like Shane Steichen or Nick Sirianni. It just seems as if the way the season ended, it was much more Shane Steichen. So, I mean, I got to trust Lurian and Roseman because they, they brought us championships. Uh, they have proven to be, you know, we're always watching meaningful games in December and January and sometimes February. Um, I got to try to trust them on this one, but I can't sit here and say I'm totally psyched about Nick, Nick, Nick Sirianni being back. Totally psyched is, is there's not a person, right? There's not a person outside Nick Sirianni that's totally psyched about coming back. <laughs> yeah. this, this man went ahead. He took that meeting with, with Howie and, uh, and Mr. Lori and was like, keep my job. Keep my job. Just keep my job. Stay at the table. I'm going to figure it out. And, and that's his goal. So they've, that's so, oh, by the way, so the update, so defensive coordinator side, they've hired Vic Fangio. Love it. Huge, I'm here. Huge Big win for it. Big for, for it. For Vic Fangio. Um, Scranton native. Yeah. Huge yeah. Phillies fan. Go said Phils. he does not go to sleep without knowing the score of the Phillies game. So we're going to get. One of us, like, baby. One of us. April. All right. Over under on the Vic Fangio first pitch. April 30th. Over under. It's going to be. It's going to be over. He won't give the first pitch in the month, but it'll happen. It'll Especially happen. Him being, him being a big Phillies fan, and I think most of Eagles Nation is excited about Vic Fangio. And I think the biggest thing we needed with Nick Sirianni staying on as head coach is veteran guys, mm-hmm. veteran OC, veteran DC. Yeah. And I think they got to get a guy that has been there and done that on the defensive and the offensive side in regards to coordinator. And Vic Fangio is absolutely that kind of player, uh, that kind of coach. Um, Dolphins defense. They ranked 10th in yards last year, 10th or 11th in the yards last year. The points weren't as good, but they lost a lot of guys. They lost Jalen Phillips. They ended up losing Jerome they Baker. Did. They lost Alex Van Ginkle. Um, you know, they have they had a pretty good defense, but I think they lost a lot of players. Um, the Eagles, Harry Rosen needs to get on the phone and needs to improve this defense personnel-wise, though, too. Because you can have the greatest play calls on the planet, but if you got guys trying to tackle like James Bradbury was tackling last year, it's not gonna really fucking matter what play it is. No, and this is so. There, by the way, Vic Fangio, if you don't know, is like an architect of a modern defensive scheme. There's so many guys that are under the Vic Fangio tree that John are Gan- John Gannon being one of them. Um, pussy. But, <laughs> but there is there is a difference between being an, a disciple of the scheme and being the architect of the scheme. And so Correct. Fangio brings that. Just a couple themes about what to expect from a Vic Fangio defense. We'll do a bigger breakdown of this. You know, once the season, you know, comes around and, you know, in August, but one is two high safeties, which means you're preventing big plays, right? You're always just two high safeties guys back. You don't want to get burned on the big plays. Um, and that's a, that's a big piece. And then you give your defenders underneath more freedom to defend the run. Uh, you also see not a ton of blitzing. He keeps the box light for rushers. You're not going to see a lot of extra guys, no five down fronts. Um, and he also big thing, big thing is disguises pre-snap looks. This is one of the uh, one of the keys here is you want the quarterback to have no idea what defense you are running. Are you running zone? Are you running single high? Are you, like no, we want the quarterback absolutely guessing and so they're known for their complexity, they're known for the ability to disguise co- disguise coverage schemes and so that is going to be the big piece. So it's going to mean that hey, we're expected to be good against the pass at least 
big plays, but ultimately this defense predicates itself on execution, right? None of this shit works if you're missing tackles because mm-hmm. all these guys are lined up to prevent the big play, which means that if you miss your tackle, you're giving up 30 yards because everything is, is you know, like 30 and in, 30 and in. And yeah. so and that he, is and just, he does, he values linebackers, he values safety more than anyone. So that's what I'd say, Harry Rosen, get on the phone to fix yeah. that fucking linebacking core and get another safety that isn't named Kevin Byers. linebackers. Yeah. He's, you're relying on talent there. And um, Reed Blankenship will get the start. Kevin Byard, I don't know anyone excited about I mean, maybe he'll, he, he's under contract. Maybe he'll, I mean, he'll be on the team. You know, maybe he'll fight for a spot and we'll see what, what comes up. You know, um, Sydney Brown, like he's probably not going to be tough. back. Um, no, not you know, until the end of the year, which just sucks. Yet. That's so, tough. It's tough there. Uh, disadvantages this game, vulnerable to the run. We just, you don't have any, many guys in the box. So expect to get run on. Um, you just you're gonna need your defensive line to get pressure on the quarterback. 2022, we had plenty of that. 2023, we didn't. So we'll see what team shows up. And uh and the underneath throws. Again, I mean, if your linebackers aren't there, we're just gonna get cut up. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I look through how his defense is ranked in uh points. So just going back, I'm just gonna read just a bunch points ranked. By the way, Big Fangio, he's 65. He's been a coordinator since 1995. Um, also, fun fact, he was a defensive assistant for the Philadelphia Stars. The USFL team from the 80s. So how about that one? Um, there you go. So nice point, nugget. So point, yeah, point, points ranked here. Um, here's the team for the 49ers. For uh, Navarro Bowman, Patrick Willis, 2011, 12-13, all those teams. So okay. points second, second, third, 10th. Then he moved to the Bears, 20th, 24th, 9th, 1st. Then he became the head coach of the uh, Broncos, had mixed results. And then last year with the Dolphins, 2020, 2nd in, um, in points scored. So we will see. Um, but listen, that is at all of its coordinators, by the way. I mean, they're, they're doing interviews. Uh, they have interviewed, um, I'll just tell you, listen, the candidates they've already interviewed is you got Cliff Kingsbury. Yikes. That is an absolute no, uh, for me. Uh, they've also interviewed Gerard Johnson, who was the uh, Texans quarterback coach. They interviewed Kellen Moore, the chargers offensive coordinator. Anyone that you're looking at for the team? Of those three, I would only really be interested in Kellen Moore. Um, I don't need another quarterbacks coach to uh, fucking fuck up this entire offense. I think Brian Johnson was consistently over his head last year and overwhelmed. Didn't really know what the hell he was doing. And it turned out he was like potentially button heads with Jalen Hurts about the the offensive game plan as well. So I want a guy like Kellen Moore who um, was he... I think the Chargers' flaws were much deeper than than just Kellen Moore calling plays. Um, I think he's very creative. I saw him get the most out of some really good players in Dallas when he was uh, their offensive coordinator. Uh, got some really good years out of Dak Prescott, and he ends up being more of a game manager than a star. So of those three, I mean, Moore is probably the only one I'm like super interested in. I know it kind of goes against what I was saying about getting a veteran offensive coach, but I think uh, I think Kellen Moore is the answer for that one. Definitely not in on uh, Cliff Kingsbury either. Um, I think he's just, I think he's underwhelming. I don't, I think he kind of has like this ego that he thinks he's like the smartest guy in the room and he's not as, but not Kingsbury as, couldn't win in college with Pat Mahomes as his quarterback. Yeah, that's, that's an issue. I mean, and, and I think Kyler Murray is an exceptional talent that he also kind of didn't fully get the greatest years of Kyler, Kyler Murray out. I mean, maybe the best years of Kyler Murray are, are still yet to be found, but, uh, yeah, I think Kellen Moore of those three are, is really the only one I'd be like super excited about. All right. I'm with you. We'll uh, we'll stay updated on that. All right. That's enough of the coaches. I'm tired of talking about a bunch of planners. 
So let's uh, let's go ahead and talk about the uh, men that do uh, all the things, okay? Because we've got the 2023 uh, end of season awards. We've got several categories here for uh, here for us. We're gonna cover MVPs, offensive, defensive. We're gonna look at Howie. Who came on? Did great. Who came on? Sucked. Draft picks. Who's the best? Who's the worst? So let's get started for the 2023 inaugural, the show to be named later, Philadelphia Eagles end of season awards show. Glad to have you here, Sam. Let's uh, let's go ahead and start on the uh, the offensive side of the football. Most important one, who's your offensive MVP? Before I give you my answer, that theme music should have been the sound of silence. It should have been just like some deep, dark shit. It shouldn't have been anything to cheer about. <laughs> it was, it's, I got to be honest, there were some players, I'm like, oh my God, who am I even going to pick? Offensive was A.J. Brown for me. 106 catches, 1456 in yards, seven touchdowns. I mean, those are elite numbers. You end up get 100 catches any year and over uh, over 1,300 yards. Yeah, that, that's a little bit better. A little bit better for the theme. Um, and seven touchdowns. And I think towards the end of the year, he you know didn't really get his due just due to the, the insane play calling by yeah. our, our planners. Um, but it was A.J. for me. I think he was at, he's been as good as advertised his first two years here in Philadelphia. Um, I almost gave it to Jalen Hurts because, again, I think he had a much better year than people and you know people, the mouth breathers online want to give him credit for, uh, given what he had. But uh, it was A.J. Brown for me. A.J. Brown as well. I don't, and this one wasn't particularly difficult. I am very much looking forward to betting on the over on his touchdown total for next season. Him putting up seven touchdowns this season made absolutely no sense to me. Yeah, it he, seems low. He only scored. He had um, – in two games with multiple. So there are only five games he actually scored a touchdown in. And five. Five games this season. Uh, absolutely yeah. brutal. So really excited for this. Defensive MVP for me was, uh, I didn't really think about this one because of how fucking awful the defense was. I did yeah, not want to sucked. give it to anybody. <laughs> I thought about, I, I just, no one. I didn't want to give it to anyone. But so dug into the stats, I found one player that stood out more than I remembered from uh from the tape. And so this guy, he led the Eagles in tackles for loss, 13. Led the birds in quarterback hits, 23. Led the birds in sacks, he got to 11. Son Reddick. That is surprising. I that that is kind of shocks me. I would not have gotten to 11 sacks on my just gut reaction on number on number he got to, but Son Reddick pro bowler Bowl doesn't mean fucking anything anymore. Um, but he did great. 23 QB hits, 11 sacks, 13 TFLs. I'm happy with the San Reddick. Glad to see he performed. Um, and I'll have a better year next year. Honestly, I like they all kind of sucked. That was what I prefaced this with. They all just kind of <laughs> fucking sucked. They all disappointed me. Um, the, it was it was a lackluster year from the defense. Um, but maybe because of his age, maybe because he just came onto the scene, I picked Jalen Carter for my uh, best defensive player. Six sacks, 33 tackles, two forced fumbles. Um, he continued to make plays. He always kind of saw number 98 in the backfield, uh, making QB hits, making it disruptive for any running back trying to run through the middle. Uh, my only thing, Jalen Carter gets better from here. I think yeah. he's going to, he was an excellent, excellent draft pick for the Eagles. Um, and I'm really excited to see where he goes. Um, maybe not the gaudy numbers that, that Reddick put up, but I continually saw him make an impact and early on because it's not easy to play football in this league at all and then just to do it right away like right when you burst onto the scene uh, makes it all the more impressive 
I think people had are their doubts about Jalen Carter's behavior or or whatever it might be. The dude is smart. The dude is willing to be coached. He cites guys like Fletcher Cox being big role models for him. So he's definitely coachable. Um, I'm excited to see Jalen Carter continue to, to do better. Um, so I would say Jalen Carter was my defensive MVP. Thanks. Yeah, I, uh, I'm totally fine with that. Um, getting to, uh, we'll get to a best, best of worst draft pick. Someone's easy that, man. It's Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter was an absolute stud for the birds. Um, six sacks from the defensive tackle position is good. As a rookie, that is incredible. Incredible it really incredible production from a, from a rookie there. Started 16 games or not start, um, played 16 games this season. And this is, this is a slam dunk by, uh, by Howie. And I'm sure you got the same pick, right? Jalen Carter. So to move and to Jalen Carter, to move to one worst. honorable, one honorable mention though, Kelly Ringo, I feel like he had a much better year. And if he was given a little more play time, I think it would have kind of came onto the scene a little bit more. Um, Kelly Ringo is going to be our outside cornerback for hopefully the foreseeable future. I think he was a great draft pick. Um, but now he was Jalen Carter. To get to the worst draft pick, the Eagles, by the way, drafted Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Tyler Steen, Sidney Brown, Keely Ringo, Tanner McKee, Moro Ajomo. Moro Ajomo actually came over in the uh, DeAndre Swift trade from uh, Detroit. But it's uh, given, given the cost, you got to consider cost of investment, right? And so the fact that Tanner McKee as a six-round draft pick and back and quarterback didn't produce, I don't really care about that. Not expecting anything from him, but it's Nolan wow. Smith drafted yep. 30th overall. Only played 188 snaps on the season. He didn't get to double digit stat snaps until week 11, which was the Buffalo game. Um, I mean, he got to 41 snaps and against the Giants in week 17, but an absolute, you know, like just an absolute disappointing season and start for Nolan Smith. And we'll see, uh, we'll see if he's following this Nicobe Dean you know, sort of path of of disappointing Georgia products to contrast with the fact that Jordan Davis did so well. And uh, so is he the, you know, is he the the N'Kobe Dean to Jalen Carter's Jordan Davis? Yeah, I mean, Nolan Smith was my answer too. 18 total tackles, one sack. Um, you didn't really see number three eight, run around the field too 18 much. 18 tackles. Um, it's just not, it's not, it, you're, you're a linebacker. You're an outside linebacker. You got to have more than 18 tackles. Um, with that being said, I'm not out on him. He's still very young. And I saw some athletic bursts from him. But he does yeah. seem a bit undersized, and right. I think he needs to sharpen up his game mightily. Um, but you, I'm glad you brought up the, the fact that he was a first round pick. If this was a third round or fourth round pick, I'd be like, oh yeah, you know, Nelson that play some good, had some good snaps for the Eagles. But um, being the 30th overall pick, you got to do a little more than that. I mean, Lamar yeah. Jackson was number 32 overall, and we all know how that's turning out. I'm not saying he's a quarterback, but you need to have much more of an impact if you're getting invested in the first round. What um, what do you got for the best signing? Uh, by Howie for this year. Dude, this was the hardest one to pick because I feel like most of the players that actually did do good this year were already on the team. Yeah, like I, cheated. I cheated for yeah. sure on that one. But but the best signing was uh, DeAndre Swift, in my opinion. Um, I think DeAndre Swift was like one of the only clear-cut answers. I almost said Brett Mann because that's how bad Sip Boss was for us last year. Um, but he's a punter, <laughs> and they listen. You, you got to punt the ball, but you can't. He did can't, good. Yeah, but you can't, you can't make that the best punting. signing. Um DeAndre Swift would have had a – he had a really, really fucking solid year, and he would have had an even even better year, I think, if they committed more to running the football like we were yeah. all just screaming our fucking heads off for them to do for the last month of the season. DeAndre Swift was an absolute steal. I would be all for signing him to a three- or four-year deal going forward. I know he's a pending free agent. Um, I think he provides shiftiness and electricity that we haven't had since, like, a guy like Shady McCoy. 
Um, he catches balls out of the backfield, and he can gash you up the middle. He makes all the right cuts. Um, he can be as explosive as any running back in the league, especially with that elite offensive line we have. So I think the easiest answer and was, was DeAndre Swift for sure. It's a great call. DeAndre's 25. Um, we'll see. Hopefully they weren't playing him much so that they could just suppress his uh, contract value for uh, for when Howie wanted to resign him. I am not of the mindset of, of pay the running back. I, I just – you see what happens. You can find Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh round. You know, you can mm-hmm. find guys. You can just find guys. Um, so if he's going to cost a lot and hit, hurt your cap, um, which I'll bring up with the worst, worst signing by Howie, you know, I want him back, obviously. Uh, but, you know, not not for a high price tag. I want Fletcher Cox coming back on a one-year deal, $10 million. Studly. Studly performance. Yeah. Reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. Hopefully he comes back. It's unsure if Fletch is coming back. Brandon Graham seems like he is all in on coming back next year. Uh, so long as, you know, the price is right. I'm sure Howie will figure out a way to make it happen. But, um, but yeah, I thought Fletch had a, a great, great year. And we'll yeah. see what he wants to do next season. He did. He did. I think if he doesn't want to retire or... If, I think, again, I think guys like Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox, if they're not looking at retirement, they probably would want to sign another one-year deal with the Eagles. Yeah. All right, we're signing by Howie. Uh I imagine we've got the same answer here because this one looks like not only was it terrible for this year, but it's going to impact 24 and 25. Getting yeah, James, I mean, go ahead. Getting James Bradbury on, on a three-year $38 million deal, $20 million yep. guaranteed. That yep. is – he was awful this year. Um, to give you a preview of the award for biggest regression, that is also James Bradbury who last season was, I think, second team all pro and this year allowed nine touchdowns and had only one pick, um, allowed 12 yards per completion. I mean, just terrible. I mean, but- and, it's, and it's crazy because, like, I mean, that's my answer as well, was resigning Bradbury. Honorable mention to Shaq Leonard and Kevin wow. Byard, who were just ghosts yeah. of their former selves. Um, you know, unfortunately, just don't think they have it in the tank anymore. And I think the worst part of the Bradbury signing is that when it happened, we were all psyched about it because he was an all-pro cornerback last year. The drop-off is almost unexplainable how he just got so fucking bad. And my only little hope holding out for Bradbury coming back next year is maybe Vic Fangio and his scheme plays better than Bradbury's strengths because Jonathan Gannon got the best out of James Bradbury, right? A disciple of Vic Fangio. But whatever the fuck was going on this year, his lack of effort, maybe it hasn't come out that he was hurt at all by any stretch of the matter. Um, James Bradbury got a an F on the season, and and not nothing against the guy. He just fell off a fell off a cliff, like I haven't seen in a, in a defender in a long time. Just in an All Pro defender at that. So yeah, that was the worst signing by by Howie, and it was crazy because nobody would have predicted that going into the season. And I remember getting that update on my phone and thinking, great, thank God, the two corners are locked up for the next couple of years, and we're ready to roll again. Catastrophe. It's the 30-year-old quarterback problem. You're just mm-hmm. – it's not a position for for uh, for those long in the tooth. And they got lucky last year. And I felt I felt like people knew it, that the production they got out of Slay and Bradbury felt fortunate more so than savvy. Um, mm-hmm. And so the, the drop-off, you know, it happened. And next year, um, if they cut him, it's a $17 million cap hit in uh, 2024 and a $12 million cap hit in 2025. So, um, you know, how he's great at managing the books, but really just absolutely brutal. Um, all right, let's go to, uh, let's go to then player who, uh, who made the biggest jump. This was, this was tough, man. Who did you come up with? I came up with uh, Reed Blankenship. 
Yes, Reed Blankenship. Yeah, yeah Reed Blankenship. Because last year he had 34 tackles. This year, 113 tackles, three picks. He led was the team. led the team in tackles, and I think that is the if you are a linebacker or a safety, you know, you're you got to lead the team in tackles. It's got to be coming from one of those two positions, and. Oh, in regards to people who play with effort and heart, he was the the one I always saw out there, just like busting his fucking ass for this team. Um, he had, uh, he seemed to have make his presence. He, and when he hit people, he hit them pretty hard. So it was Reed Blankenship, uh, especially just due to the uptick in playing time. He yeah. rose to the occasion when we really didn't have a huge answer at safety going into the season. So I'd say compared to thirty four tackles last year to one hundred and thirteen. That is great, and I only see him getting better. So uh, I'm 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 psyched to have Reed Blankenship as, as on the back end of the single game. Undrafted rookie, undrafted rookie. He's a reliable safety, he's a strong tackler, and they missed him at the end of the year. Um, they did. We will. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm worried that Vic Fangio comes in and uh, you know and has other ideas, but his play was solid. And so if you're going to need someone reliable back there, I mean, I don't know. Reed Blankenship is far and away. The best uh, answer on the current roster for uh, for a starting safety. So uh, we'll see what twenty twenty four has in has in store for him. But I expect another great year for him. You know, I don't I don't know if he'll ever hit you know the kind of heights that uh you know that that we really want out of our safeties. But as as an absolutely reliable starter, maybe maybe he becomes the tenth best safety in the league perennially. It's a perfect position to get out of an undrafted. Undrafted guy, and and not for nothing, our uh, bar for safeties is pretty high in this city. Shout out B Dog, shout uh, out B Dog, number twenty, Hall of Famer. Did they have they retired his number yet? I don't think so, not yet. But I will boycott the Eagles if anyone ever wears number twenty <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah, that man, it, he's it a does, legend, right? Hall of Famer, fucking. It does un- feel like one, one of those best, things. One of the best five safeties ever to play football, and that's <laughs> I stand on that, no doubt about that. Nice. All right. Um, well, that is that is the birds. That is our end of season. It was absolutely brutal. Brutal. I can't believe we started this this show. The first the first episode we did was the, right um, the Jets game. Right for the, the Jets Jet, game. This is the Jets game, which they lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um and then they and then they beat the Dolphins. We're so and, cocky. And then We're they so beat cocky. the Bills. Uh <laughs> and the Chiefs. And then everything, and the Cowboys, everything else went downhill from there. Everything else went downhill from there. Hello, darkness, my old friend. It was an oddly familiar, awful feeling. Because again, it's usually, it's usually what what this team is about. But uh, I think you know, I, I trust the guys in charge. Um, I'm gonna hold my breath on Nick Sirianni, and uh, you know, we'll see what the offseason brings. They're gonna see how they improve the roster. And um, like I said last episode, I'm all guess I'll be texting you, hey, Kev. Guess what? Training camp, baby. Let's do it. Go birds. <laughs> the cycle repeats. So we uh we are back now with our segment, Tales from the ER. I'm gonna get a little sound effect here. Something uh something a little hospital-y. Um, but nurse uh nurse Sam, can you can you give us anything? I could I could give you something. A shift. Every shift that I work at that hospital to the average man who doesn't Work in a healthcare setting would be like, that's fucking insane. That's absolutely insane. Um, but there's something that sticks out to me. Um, I have an assault charge out on somebody because I got assaulted at work. Um, so we, <laughs> oh my God. 
So we had a, we are a, a crisis center. And what that means is that when you are feeling uh, suicidal, when you are feeling as if you, you're feeling your depression is getting to the best of you, your anxiety, you come to my emergency room and we get you the resources you need. You talk to a crisis counselor. And that's a PSA for anybody out there. It is okay to not be okay. Your mental health is as important as your physical health. And if you feel as if you need help, you can go to any emergency room and they will get you help. Um, please don't do the unthinkable. It is um, a mistake I think people will regret for forever. And I've been affected by suicide myself um, from some really great people in my life. But um, yeah, you, you, it's, it's a great resource to have. However, some people use it as like, they abuse that resource. And there's a lot of situations where someone will be on their way to jail and they say something like, I want to hurt myself. And the cop legally has to take them to the emergency room, whether no. they mean it or not, whether they mean it or not. This is the law. And this is the law. It's a New Jersey state law. They cannot, they need to be cleared by a mental health professional before they go and on their way to prison. So happens, dude, it happens at least once a shift, without a doubt. It is, it is an abuse to the system. And maybe some of them are feeling suicidal about having to go to jail. But this particular person was fucking not. And I had a patient come in who was uh, under the influence of alcohol. That happens a lot too. Sometimes we are the hottest bar in town. It's not... <laughs> It's not the jug handle in. It's the, not Jay's elbow room. The post game party is in Sam's <laughs> ER. Yeah, it is, man. Come, come, hang if you want to get uh, restrained and beat up. No, I'm kidding. Um, so, I have a patient, and uh, she was getting arrested on her way to jail, claimed suicide. So now she's at our front door. Um, I wasn't the charge nurse that night, but she just happened to go into my room in which I was taking care of her. The uh, police release her on summons. That means the handcuffs come off. But because you make that statement, you still got to stick around illegally to talk to a crisis counselor. Um, this person was not um, thrilled with that answer. That person wanted to leave the emergency room immediately. I told them, hey, listen, I feel you. I, she said to me and the doctor, to our face, I only said that so I didn't have to go to jail earlier. I said, okay, you're a piece of shit, but now you got to stay here for a little while. Not too much longer. Just hang tight. I got five other sick people to take care of who need my help way more than you do. Just behave for me. Please behave. Foreshadowing, she did not behave. She rings her bell about 10 minutes after this conversation and says, what am I still doing here? I said, listen, I don't have time to keep explaining this to you. This is what it is. I do not make the rules. I have to follow them. It is my job. You have to stay here until you talk to a crisis counselor. It should be within the hour. Just relax. I got you a sandwich. I got you some juice. Just watch some TV. It's like one in the morning. Just fucking chill out. Please just relax. So I'm leaving the room and I just hear something fly by my head and it was an apple juice that I got in her. Just flies out of the room. I look at my boy Bruce and Bruce was like, what the fuck? Did she just throw an apple juice in my head? So I look in the room and I'm like, did you just throw that apple juice at me? She takes the orange <laughs> juice that I got her. I fed this woman. I fed her. <laughs> And she throws, it, throws an orange juice outside of the room, too. So then I go in the room. I said, you can't be doing that. This isn't, this is not a, again, it's not a bar, dude. We're not about to have a bar fight. Her response to that was she flipped the trash can over. She flipped the sheets off her bed. She threw the sandwich. She started destroying the room like a rabid animal. So I'm standing there. I'm standing in between her and the computer. She's about to rip the monitor out of the wall. 
And I turned around and I said, I hate, we have a little strong line button. You press the button and security comes in because if you're in trouble, so I press the button. I said, yo, I need security in here. I look back at the patient and I just get punched in the fucking mouth. Just no. this fist in the fucking mouth. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ. And she kicks me in the stomach. I'm a little bewildered. She rips my name tag off. I'm just like, what? I, I, my, I don't know if you've ever been like punched in the face, but it's like, you gotta like gather your thoughts. I go, like, I should get punched in the fucking face. So then security runs in, text running, everyone runs in. This girl is just, she is biting, spitting, fucking screaming, trying to claw people, just turns into a complete rabid animal. And she is out getting restrained. I go get a needle. We got to medicate this patient for our own safety. We do not medicate you and drug you unless it is a, you are a violent threat to the staff of the emergency room in which this patient was. So she's trying to sit there saying, Sam, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. I'm like, I'm a compassionate, empathetic man. That's what makes me such a good nurse. All of that went out the window. I said, it's too late. Go to sleep. You're a piece of shit. I have, ne- and the, the, the law, man, I, you know, not some street guy who grew up in the suburbs, very comfortable, easy life, but like, man, there's something about getting punched in the face and you just want to punch them back. I can't get, I can't give a patient five fingers back. I can't do it. I'll lose my job. I'll lose my license. It is what it is. So I leave. I'm just like, I'm in the parking lot. I'm just fucking steaming mad. Some of my boys come out. They're like, dude, what the fuck? Like, we're so sorry. Like, you know, so I get treated. And then I, I end up the next day going to the courthouse in Cherry Hill. And I get, uh, I file a assault charge, assault charge against the patient. Um, I've been to one hearing about it. I'm still waiting to go back to hear from my other hearing. Um, fuck this motherfucker. And you know what? Man, it is aggravated assault if you assault a nurse. It's not a simple assault charge. So even though I only end up with like a fat lip out of it and a stomach ache, it wasn't one of those things where like you can just let go because for anyone listening out there, man, we're just trying to help you out. I know you might not want to be in the hospital. I know you might not agree with the rules, but we're all just trying to help you out. And I promise you, you can be the sickest person on the planet. If you treat me with respect and you're nice to me, you will get nothing but a very respectful, nice young man taking care of you. But if you want to act on that bullshit, I will act on that bullshit too, because it's not acceptable. So for anyone listening out there, treat your healthcare workers with respect or just get the fuck out of the emergency room. That's your tale from the yard today. (laughs) Oh, so good. So insane, man. So So insane. Oh my God. Well, thank you so much, Sam. Um, Treat Sam with respect. He'll get it back. Punch him in the face. He can't punch you in the face back, but you will go to court. All right, buddy. It was awesome talking everything. Um, Huck, dude. That's it. Great week. Great week, Kev. And uh, I would say next next week we should do a, we should do a bit of a Flyers update. Um, we do have a pretty decent, decent hockey team going on. Um, I'm hoping next hockey. time we're on. Yeah, a little hockey. bit of hockey. A little bit of hockey. But uh, we'll give you a little Flyers update because you know we are we are four for four on this podcast. So. Um, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're speaking that flyers language, be prepared for next week. We'll give you a little update. Awesome. All right, buddy. Great to see you. All right, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.